by the time you get to excruciating pain, you may have some horrible infection. Yeah. And these infections can go septic and people have died. So you do not want to, you don't want to wait. You don't want to mess around with this kind of stuff. Prioritizing profit. Prioritizing Prioritizing pro Dangerous drug and product cases. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode, Prioritizing Profits, Dangerous Drug and Product Cases. We are out of town this week, MTMP. She's getting in. She's getting some insider info for us. We're going to have some big updates at next week's show. But until then, we're going to have a nice little highlight cut up of some of the uh, biggest facts and, and things to know about a few different cases that we've been talking about over the last several weeks. Uh, all these cases have been going on for years and years, and some of them, we are kind of coming to the finish line. And it is incredibly important that if you do have any of these products, any of these issues, that you reach out to us. And if you're unsure about any of this information, this is the episode for you. You're going to be able to find out everything that we've been covering uh, over the last several weeks, last months about them. Yeah, absolutely. So the two topics that we're going to be addressing today are hernia mesh. And we've talked a lot about hernia mesh in several episodes. So we're going to put all of that together in one concise episode so that you'll know all about the problems with the hernia mesh products. And if you have a hernia mesh product and you've had any symptoms, again, this is the time to reach out to us. So this will give you all of that information. Uh, the other topic we're going to um, talk about are surgical infections um, that result from a product called the Bear Hugger Forced Air Warming Device. Again, this is a product that you wouldn't even know if it was used. It would have been used during a joint replacement surgery. So um, we're going to consolidate that as well, uh, kind of remind you about that. And if you've had a surgical infection after joint replacement, again, reach out to us. And sometimes these things can be a little overwhelming. Again, everything in, that you're going to need to know is going to be in this podcast. Uh, but if you have any questions, any concerns or any uncertainty, whatever it may be, you can always reach out to us, send us an email, send us a DM on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever it is, we'll get back to you. And if you don't know where to start, when you reach out to us, we'll take care of everything for you. Hope you enjoy. And we've been uh, talking about a lot of the cases that we've been handling. Always got a nice little section on it. Is there any updates or um, just more information on some of the cases that we are handling? Well, so what we're focusing on today um, is, is hernia mesh again. And we have spoken about it a couple of times and a couple of the different products that are out there. But the real key that I wanted to address this time uh, is just the timing. That these cases, they've been going on for over five years. Um, we are coming up on another Bellwether trial in October. Um, and then if, following that one, there'll be another one at the beginning of 2024. And these cases were, it looked like they were going to be settling about a year and a half ago. Um, but it's, it's kind of a hot topic now because with the 3M earplug situation, that case settled as we talked about. And all of a sudden people are coming out of the woodwork and they're saying, wait a minute, I want to be a part of this. And it's too late to do that. Um, and so, and we've had a lot of people calling, well, why didn't I know about this? And mm -hmm. well, yeah, I did know about that. And I started filling out the paperwork, but I never completed it. Um, but I want to complete it now. And the problem with that is that if you wait too long, it potentially can be too late. And with the hernia mesh cases, this is a product that so many people 
have. I mean, it is a really common surgery. So many people have hernia meshes, and this mesh, it can break down, degrade in the body, yeah. and cause all kinds of problems, and, uh, the, and, and usually requiring additional surgeries. So it's just, it's imperative that if you have one of these cases that you contact somebody sooner rather than later, uh-huh. because there will be a cutoff date. And, you know, and, and, and then we'll be getting all the calls saying, wait a minute, wait, 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 I want to yeah. get in on the settlement. And unfortunately, we, we will not be able to, to help them at that point. Well, and this is a massive one. You know, I, yeah. I, I know it's been going on for a really long time. And it's not just one type of hernia mesh. There's a lot of different brands that right. are causing these issues. And some of these issues, you know, there, there are some really, really bad ones. And then there's some, you know, on both sides of the scale. But some of them take a long time to come up. Yeah, well, that's, so that's the interesting thing, too, because you have the surgery, and you heal fine, you recuperate fine, you go back to work, you go back to your life. Uh-huh. So it's not something that you know right away there's a problem. Mm-hmm. But then the product starts to break down in your body. Mm-hmm. And so it's never right away. If it's right away, then it's probably, it's more likely a problem with the surgery, with a, a surgical infection, something like that. It's probably not the product. Yeah. The product, it's going to take months to even years mm-hmm. before you really start experiencing these side effects. And they're really nasty. I mean, people have chronic pain. They end up with these infections as it starts to break down and cause inflammation and they can perforate organs. Yeah, I know one of the worst ones you mentioned is how it kind of entangles and entangles with the organs and muscles and everything in there because I mean it's just put in there to hi- kind of hold everything up, right? Maintain right. its spot, but when it starts breaking up that same material, right. starts just getting stuck in places it, it it shouldn't be. Right. And then even when you have the surgery to try to remove it, it's a mess when you go in. I mean, they've likened it to like having bubblegum in your hair. Jeez. I mean, you cannot you, you know, you can't save the it's hair. A, yeah. You're basically going to cut a big hunk out. And so, and, and there are times where you, you'd have to remove so much tissue, they end up having to just leave that mesh in there and it's causing, you know, pain and suffering and they just can't, can't get it all out. And the materials that they're using in some of these meshes are just shocking. Well, yeah, it's the polypropylene and then some of the polyester, but it's just products that shouldn't be used in the human body. We've talked about that in the past, um, and it's just it, it, it's just a disaster. So, you know, this case has been going on for a while, and that's one of the reasons it's important to reach out as soon as possible, and definitely you know, not wait till last minute, is because there are you might be having problems that you don't realize are connected, or um, you know, there's signs that you will have problems in the future. But once this is settled, or once that cutoff happens, what if someone gets hernia mesh that is involved in this case or that, you know, the product is involved in this case and then ends up having problems afterwards. I mean, they didn't even have a chance to get into the case. Does that ever happen? Or Yeah, it does. And, and it's not that they cannot pursue a claim, but they they wouldn't be able to participate in that global settlement. Uh, I so see, I see. they could file an individual lawsuit and, and proceed with that, you know, against the manufacturer of their mesh. But it is a, a much more time-consuming, yeah. expensive process. And so it really only makes sense for very, very severe injuries because you're mm. going to spend so much money getting to that point, getting to the trial. And so your reward needs to be significant enough that you can, you know, reimburse all of those costs and still have it make sense and the attorney's fees and still have it make sense for you. Um, And so one thing that a lot of people don't know about the kind of the way that these global settlements work is that, um, you know, people are signing up cases, they're, you know, representing clients for years as this goes on, some of the trials are happening. And then this global settlement comes, comes up. And it's usually, they're usually different categories. And each case is a value 
evaluated within uh-huh. whatever structure they've developed in that particular settlement. Um, and, and people can choose not to participate in the settlement um, if, if they want to take their case out, have it sent back to their home court and litigate it. They can do that. Um, but if you aren't in and the cutoff happens, you can't get in. And when, um, so for example, a, a law firm who maybe has a hundred, several hundred or however many cases they have, um, they have to agree at the cutoff time that they won't take additional cases. Mm. And so those firms, you know, again, they, they need to look out for the clients that they do have. Yeah. And their deal is that they're not going to sign up additional clients. So that can really affect your ability to get an attorney at that point. That makes sense. And these are the law firms that have the most experience. They know what to do. They know how, you know, they just know how it all works. And so they're the ones that you would want on your side, but you won't be able to after that that date. Right, right. I mean, and there have been shenanigans. <laughs> there was one story years ago about um, an attorney and his wife, who was also an attorney, then formed her own law firm. Oh, yeah. That's like <laughs> it was the, convenient uh, timing because all of a sudden now she's still signing in the uh, cases in, in a different thing, of course. It's not hurting much that was settling. Um, so they're kind of, but I mean, you don't want to be caught up in something in something like that. It's like that. the Texas two step, but on the, on the other um, side I of the know, table. I know, on the wrong side. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, yes, you still could potentially bring a case if it's within the statute of limitations, which is another time limit. And again, yeah. another reason why you need to contact somebody sooner, not later, because you may just not even have a case, period, in a global settlement or outside of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but once these, and, and for a lot of people, these settlements make the most sense. I mean, if they had, you know, even pretty significant injuries, um, they're still going to get a good compensation and they're not going to have to go through depositions. They're not going to have to go through trials. Um, and they're not going to have that risk of potentially losing a trial because yeah. some of these case, also cases are defense verdict. There's no question about that. Well, and it makes sense too, is that, I mean, this whole reason that mass torts exist, right, is because when there are victims of the thousands of the hundred thousand, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, whatever it is, these large numbers, it makes sense for both sides to kind of put it all together. And it's beneficial for both sides. It's easier yeah, yeah. For, for the defense and it's easier for the prosecution as well. Um, you know, kind of being left out on a raft by yourself later down the line, it, like you said, it is going to be incredibly difficult and sometimes not even make sense, even if you do have some serious injuries. And the same injuries that you may have down the line uh, that you could get a payout from this this first one, right? This original mass tort, everyone together, you might not be able to get it down the line. It just doesn't make as much sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's more cost effective and efficient for both sides. I mean, that's really why the whole system um, works, why it was created, why it works. Um, Well, we'll see. And I think it's important for people to reach out too, because, uh, you know, even if you aren't having problems, what's wrong with going to get it checked out? If I knew that there was something that had these potential risks in my body, even if I wasn't already experiencing it, but knew that there was, you know, this entire process that has been going on for several years, I don't want to take a look. I want to, you know, double check just to be sure so I don't have issues, you know, in another year, another two years. Well, and some people, even when they've come to us, they've said, you know, I mean, well, how long was this bothering you? Well, it's been bothering me for a couple of years, but it just wasn't that bad. And then it got worse and then it got worse. And then finally I got to the point and I went to the doctor. But again, if you know that you have a product that has potential problems and you're having any symptoms, get this checked out sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not going to go unless I'm excruciating pain. And, yep. you know, but, but again, even aside from a lawsuit, forget about that. When, by the time you get to excruciating pain, you may have some horrible infection. Yeah. And these infections can go septic and people have died. So you do not want to, you don't want to wait, you don't want to mess around with this kind of stuff. And like 
you, you mentioned that there are two cases that are upcoming, two bellwethers, and these are going to be, I mean, these are going to be a pretty big deal, right? Because, I mean, these are going to help decide kind of the, the next steps for both sides, and and this has been something that's been going on for years and years, so a lot of people have been prepping for this. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, and again, the bellwethers, what they do is it, it gives both sides an idea of what a jury will do with these types of cases, yeah. how they see the liability, how pissed off they are if there's punitive damages awarded, that's a huge mm-hmm. thing, and then how they're valuing them. You know, what kind mm-hmm. of range of verdict are, are we looking at? It's like a case study just for yeah, actual yeah. cases. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it is. I mean, and, 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 you know, the test case, I mean, that's yeah. that's what it is. And so, and the, and, and the, the whole selection process is designed to make sure that they are choosing representative cases. Mm-hmm. And there are usually different categories and that they're choosing cases that represent the different categories so that yeah. both sides get a good idea. This type of case is going to get a verdict in this range, this uh-huh. type of case in this other range. And then that's the information get that, that gets used when they're crafting this global settlement. Yeah. And so, so that's something I didn't really realize is when I imagine bellwethers, you're just putting, I, I thought it would be something where you're putting the worst of the worst out there, right? You want the highest settlement so you get the highest settlement for everyone. But it makes more sense that there's kind of different levels to it because that's how it actually is. There's going to be different levels and everyone's going to kind of fit in those different levels. And so to have a variety of different cases, you get a better idea across the board. Yeah. Well, and actually to get to get a little bit more into that, the the process, and again, it varies from case to case and the judge decides how they're going to do this. But a lot of the times, you know, both sides know what the cases are and they, the judge will say, okay, defense, you, you propose four cases, plaintiffs, you propose four cases, and I'll just randomly pick four cases. So the defense, looks through and they look at the cases that they think are the crappiest cases, that they're most likely that they're going to get a defense verdict. Mm-hmm. And there are always those cases. There are the cases where they have a million other problems and there's other things that could have yeah. caused this, or they were doing something ridiculous. I mean, it's I think a very I, gray area. I don't know. Or just some of them are really shitty cases. I mean, like, I think I told you about the one case that was with involving uh, joint infections. And, you know, we look at the medical records and this woman had been shooting heroin into her yeah. thigh. And, and now she has an infection in her knee. So, you you know, again, and and here's the other. <laughs> there's so many aspects of this, but some law firms will just file anything and everything, and they don't even look at it just to get their numbers up. Hmm. And there are different reasons they want a lot of numbers too. They yeah. might want to try to get into the man, into the uh, leadership, that sort of thing. But so, so there are bad cases that get filed, and in all of these, you know, we, in these group discussions, it's always like, don't file bad cases, don't file bad cases. It hurts everybody, yeah. and it doesn't help your client. Your client's going to be disappointed too if they have a bad case. Tell me the bad case, don't file it. And people still do it. And they still do it. And so, so the defense is going to pick those. And and potentially, if that goes as a bellwether, there may be a defense verdict. Yeah. The plaintiffs are going to pick, you know, again, those really huge, the death cases, the horrible, awful, you know, lifelong injury cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the judges are pretty clear. You don't want only the great cases because not all of the cases in the inventory are great. Yeah. So, so you do want the variety. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. It kind of comes down to the judge just randomly choosing it because, I mean, they're, if, I'm sure if you look at the cases, you're going to be able to cl- tell pretty clearly which side brought it to the table. I wonder if it's something like picking a, a name out of a hat type random. Well, actually, what they'll do is they'll say, you know, you, defense, you give us four cases that you want. Yeah. Plaintiff, you give us four cases. And then they'll select another four kind of randomly. Uh, no, oh, so so the judge will select yeah, another four. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then they'll usually go like plaintiff pick, defense pick. 
you know, they'll switch back and forth. It's like a draft. <laughs> it's a really complicated situation. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the thing is, is that in this situation, in this hypothetical, there's 12 cases, but it's representing thousands, tens of thousands, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of, yeah, of, of plaintiffs yeah. and victims. And that is just so crazy to me that 12 cases, you know, randomly being chosen out of a hat, some very specifically, some, you know, not so specifically, are having such a massive effect on, on kind of everything. They, yeah, they are. And, and, but it's not, so that might be, say, the first round, yeah. but there may be other rounds and other rounds if they don't settle the cases. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. like back in the ASR HIP days, I mean, they just tried case after case after case after case. Um, and then there are other times where the cases are getting worked up and they don't even get to trial and the defense is like, okay, let's get this. <laughs> all case. right. All right. We get it. <laughs> we'll give you what you want. I know. That's the really good ones. But yeah, I can tell you that is not happening here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, the, the big uh, the big one, the Bard, that's the one where we have the two more um, bellwethers coming up. It is also the most uh, the most common product. More people have have the Bard than anything else, um, and, and a lot of people don't know what product was used. They yeah. just know their doctor said we're going to fix you up with a mesh. They do. Um, that's information we can get for you. It's worth checking out. It's it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a sticker. Yeah, it's, so it's the yeah, it's the product uh, yeah, the the product sticker. Um, but the surgeon would have that information. We can get that information. Um, definitely get it get it checked out. Well, I think that's why it's it's so important for people to reach out to because I mean, who who knows what hernia mesh is is going in? Unless you're a doctor or your attorney and you are aware of some of these issues, an everyday citizen is not going to ask those questions, and and they shouldn't have to. To be no. fair, they really shouldn't have to. Uh, but reaching out to attorney, which costs free. They'll look into it for you and, and see what's going on. Um, and, and going back real quick, so with the two bellwether cases, on both of them, are there going to be cases that are randomly chosen out, or is each bellwether case one of the ones that were randomly It's chosen? one of the ones that were chosen okay. out. It was, yeah. So and, and because they pick them, and then they start the, the case-specific discovery. Yeah. So you know all of the cases that were filed, they filed the complaint, and then we have to file certain paperwork, giving information, provide medical records. Mm-hmm. But there's not, there's not depositions of doctors or the plaintiff. Any yeah. of that doesn't happen until a case is getting chosen for trial, and then it gets mm-hmm. worked up for trial. So once they pick out that group of cases, all of those, they start doing all of the pretrial work. Um, And then sometimes those cases do get, they get dismissed, they don't like it. Um, Yeah, what happens if, you know, there's one of the defense cases are picked and it's just one of those really shitty ones that, you know, some random attorney put in there. Is everyone in the leadership kind of throw their hands up and they're like, oh shit. Actually, no, they don't throw their hands up. What they do is they call the attorney who filed it and they're like, look, this is going to mess up for everybody. You know, you can't win this case, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so sometimes, well, uh, fairly often there are cases that are dismissed. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, but, and there are a variety of reasons there might, too. Sometimes by the time you get there, say the client's died yeah. and the case is not, you know, as good of a case anymore. It depends on um, the state you're in and mm-hmm. what the law is. Um, if they didn't die as a result of it, it's not a wrongful death claim. Like in mm-hmm. Arizona, your pain and suffering dies with you. So oh now, well, yeah, I, I mean, I've had that. cases. Oh, yeah. So I've had cases like that where, you know, it's a good case, but then the client dies from something else like a cancer or something. Yeah. It has nothing to do with it. Um, and then all you can collect 
are the medical bills. And then you have to pay the medical bills back to the insurance company, most of them. And so the case is just not viable to proceed with. Well, and the phrase, uh, the pain and suffering dies with you. I mean, (laughs) it's accurate, but it's just so awful to think about when it comes to, you know, legal and and kind of uh, return of it idea. That's just, that's crazy to me. Well, but if you think about it, the person, the, the person who suffered, who had the pain and suffering, now is dead. So you can't give them money to make up for the pain and suffering. So then you would be giving their family. Which, um, I mean, oftentimes the the family's taking care of them while they're in that pain and suffering. And yeah. And so, and there are states where it, where they, the family can collect the pain and suffering. And so it depends on what state you're in. Uh, And, you know, so all of these things come into play, but there are times where by the time you get ready to get this case to Bellwether, it's not a good case anymore. Um, And so it does get voluntarily dismissed opening up that spot for, you say, another case that's... that's uh... And I, I can't even imagine being an attorney that's, you know, you're just trying to get names, you're trying to get numbers up on your dockets, and all of a sudden, Monday morning, you get a call from all of the leadership on speaker phone <laughs> chewing you out. You know, what the hell are you doing filing this case? You got to get it out of here. You're going to ruin it for all of us. Yeah, it's, I think there's probably been calls like that. I'm pretty confident there are. And you, you mentioned this earlier of how they ask people to not file those cases yeah. don't file the bad ones but people still do it so why, why is that they with the higher numbers you have a chance getting on leadership as it sound like that was one of the possible there is that and then i think that that you know there have been times where if you file the case everybody gets they, they think they're going to get something even if it's a small amount mm. and they're willing to do it for that yeah i think it's gotten pretty tough and that you know you if you don't meet certain criteria you're not going to get paid anything yeah um, but i think some people are like what the heck you you know, if we don't get money, we don't get money. We file them all. Uh, we can always dismiss it if we have to start spending a lot of money uh, yeah. uh, litigating it. Um, I mean, we were always, um, we have always been very careful about that because, you know, you don't want to get stuck with a, a case that you can't yeah. win. It's, it's like not fishing good. with dynamite. I mean, you're just throwing everything out there, hoping to God something comes up. Well, I think probably fishing with dynamites is a little bit more productive. Yeah, that's true. I'm trying to think of a better analogy. <laughs> I'm not good with analogies. As... Well, so I like that one. But, but you guys, uh, So yeah. you guys are more careful with it, though. You want to make sure that the cases that you do take are ones that you... Yeah, I mean, it's not doing anybody any favors. I mean, yeah. you know, the attorney's spending money getting in medical records. Well, although sometimes people, you know, some of these people don't even do that till the very last minute. Um, but, you know, it's not good for the client. I mean, you tell them, oh, you know, we're going to take your case. They have certain expectations, yeah. reasonably so, that they don't think you're wasting their time and giving them false hope. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's it's not good for anybody. Well, and that's kind of the whole setup of, you know, a, a personal injury attorneys not getting paid unless they win is because it's in the attorney's best interest to not waste the client's time. Right. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, they're, t- they're you're not getting paid unless it is a good case, unless it gets and, and it's successful. Yeah. You're wasting your time and your money yeah. and the client's time. Yeah. 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 Well, that's interesting. I didn't realize there was so such th- these dynamics existed and almost kind of politics behind the scenes with oh, the leadership on both political. sides. Very political. Um, and and I can't even imagine being a judge on some of these cases. I mean, your decisions. It's one thing where you have you know these large cases of you know one two you know even if you have ten uh, defendants or victims whatever it is. But I mean, the decisions that they are making are affecting thousands and thousands of people. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a serious job. 
Yeah. Well, that, that's interesting. Uh, definitely. I mean, if you have hernia mesh, if you've had any uh, surgeries along those lines, definitely highly recommend reaching out. Uh, if you don't know the type of hernia mesh that you have, we'll figure it out. And it's not just one brand that are having these problems. There's a lot of brands, a lot of um, substances and materials that are used that shouldn't be used. A lot of issues coming up. Some of them uh, taking a long time to really come up. And even if it's a small problem now, later down the line, it could be a very big problem. So I had no idea about this, but when you're having surgery, oftentimes they'll put a warming blanket on you. And one of these brands that they use is called Bear Hugger. And if you've had any type of joint replacement therapy or surgery, um, and, and, and it's a very invasive surgery. And, and oftentimes that when they are using this bear hugger product, it can lead to infection and that can lead to a ton of different problems. And there's a massive case ongoing right now. After a surgery, it's not uncommon to have an infection, but the types of infection you usually get are more surface tissue level infections. The problem with this product is that it makes it much more likely that you'll get an infection in the actual joint. And these infections can be very, very serious, even leading to death. If you're having a surgery and they're using a specific warming blanket, there's a few different brands out there. You wouldn't know that it is Bear Hugger and you wouldn't know that it was this specific blanket causing issues for you. But that's something that we can look into for you. All you got to do is reach out to us at Showered Law Firm and we can look through the medical records, see what they use and see if there is a connection. So if you've had joint replacement therapy, if you've had any issues afterwards, specifically with infections, then reach out to us and, and we'll do the due diligence to make sure you're taken care of. So uh, maybe we go ahead and talk about the main subject, which are the bear hugger lawsuits yeah. that we are um, handling. And actually, we've been handling these things forever, it feels like, which actually, I guess, is 2015, which is not forever, but eight years. That's it's a long, long time. Uh, that's a long time. Well, and these cases have gone through um, a real mess. But um, before I get into that, just kind of what it is. Um, the bear hugger is is a surgical warming device, and so when people are are having are undergoing surgery, um, they keep the um, operating rooms like super cold. Yeah. Um, and part of that is they have this what they call laminar airflow, but they have this cool air from the ceiling kind of coming down and pushing everything down to the ground. And, and the intent of that is to keep the surgical site clean, sterile, um, all of that. And, and you know, like when the, when the, the surgeons and all, all of the staff come in, I mean, they're completely sanitized. Um, but of course they come in, they've got their shoes on, Yeah. you know, so the, 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 the only place that's dirty is going to be, be the floor area anyway. Um, so with certain types of surgeries, um, the outcome is better if the body doesn't get too cold. Mm -hmm. So, and there are different ways that you can keep somebody warm. I mean, from like to warm blankets. Um, but this company, 3M, actually another big 3M case, um, has this product called the Bear Hugger, and it's a warming device. And basically, it's this blanket that has little holes in it, and it's attached to a machine that sits on the floor. And there's a tube that shoots hot air um, up into the blanket. And then through the little holes, this hot air goes onto the person's body. Um, the problem with that is that the hot air then is going onto the body um, and overflowing down over the sides mm -hmm. of the, the, uh, the table, hitting the floor. Now hot air rises. So yeah. it's picking up the, 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 you know, the bacteria, the debris that's on the floor. And that can then rise back up with the hot air rising. Yeah. And then it's into that surgical area. So wow. what's happening is that when you use this, um, the rates of uh, infections, surgical infections, have 
just skyrocketed. I mean, you can look at the studies of when uh, when they started using this, and about 90% of hospitals now use it. I mean, wow. they're great marketing. So, um, and, and a surgical infection can be relatively minor um, and can be treated with antibiotics. However, certain types of surgeries like joint replacements. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When you're putting a medical, uh, you know, a, a metal, metal joint into the body, if that gets infected, it's really horrendous. Yeah, I bet. And, yeah. and it's, in, I, it's just so insane how that happens, too, is that the air, the warm air goes into the blanket. And since hot air falls, right, it goes down to the ground, gets all of that bacteria that's on the ground, and then slowly rises back up and just in, in, in just gets in there, gets into yeah, the... It, yeah, yeah. And I mean, so what it does is it direct, disrupts that, that cold air that's trying to keep everything down. When it's yeah. hot air, it's bringing it back up. Um, and so the problem then is that, you know, people are getting these really bad infections. And um, I mean, they, they I mean, it's, it's just, it's, there's, it's so hard to get rid of an infection when it's mm -hmm. settled into an, uh, an artificial joint. And so a lot of times people will have to have like IV antibiotics, they'll have to have wound vax. Um, they oftentimes will have to actually take uh, the the uh, prosthesis out and leave like a spacer in there for a while so like they don't have a joint for a while until oh. it clears up then replace it uh, people have had amputations a number of deaths because again they get this horrible infection they can't control they go septic and 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 they die I didn't even know you could do that a spacer in the joint so someone <laughs> just doesn't even have a joint for a week well they have weeks. to take it out but they can't put a new one in until the infection's cleared because yeah. you put another one in well you're going to have the same situation yeah i mean i've had lots of clients who have been through this and and just it's you know it's horrendous i mean you're pretty much bedridden oh you know 100%. or lazy boy ridden or an ashley recliner, <laughs> recliner ridden god forbid <laughs> it catches on fire you don't even have a joint yeah, to get out move. <laughs> see <laughs> crazy shit yeah anyway so th these cases um were c consolidated back in 2015 mm -hmm. and there were about 5,000 of them at the time um and then a lot of you know some of these cases go really smoothly and some of them do not go so smoothly this would be the latter um and so uh these were in litigation you know thousands of cases filed discovery going on and then in 2019 the judge basically dismissed all of the lawsuits basic what, what, what she did is she kicked out all of the experts and said you know she disqualified all of the experts and so without any experts she then dismissed all of the cases why why did she get rid of all the experts um well there was a, everybody filed their motions and, and there's there's always a question as to whether you know the the science is there whether yeah. it's a valid connection between the product and the problems and whether you can establish that and she basically didn't buy these experts said they were not qualified, therefore there were no experts, ban, the cases are gone. Jeez. I mean, to be fair, it is like an insane thing to think about, right? It's like the hot air going down, bringing it back up, and how you even figure that out. And it's like you see the infection, but to assume that has anything to do with the heating blanket on them, and especially that that type of interaction is happening, is that is pretty insane to think about, but yeah. to just dismiss all these expert, right, well, experts, right? Well, and on her own, because I mean, basically what most judges do are they say, well, we're going to let the jury see, yeah. because, and again, both sides had experts, and there were some really fascinating like videos where they use like this green smoke and so that it was like this colored green smoke that you could see going in the blanket and you could see exactly where it was going and how it was coming back up yeah. and you could see it where the surgeon's hands were wow. and that sort of thing so those kinds of things and then on top of that this was a crazy thing too because the inventor of the product 
came, he, well, he ended up selling it uh, to another company and then ultimately 3M bought it. But he ended up coming out and saying, you know, I invented this, but you shouldn't use this for certain things and you should not use it for uh, artificial joints. Yeah. And so you've got now the inventor yeah. um, as an expert on our side. Um, but then, of course, they're saying, well, he's biased. And he's now he has a new product called the hot dog. And he wants to sell that instead of the bear hugger. Is, is it also like a, a warming blanket? Well, it wasn't blowing. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, love so that name, a, the hot dog. I know. I liked it. Too. It, it sounds comfortable. Like you're just sitting between two buns. <laughs> nice and warm and cozy. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this guy's good at his, uh, way, his I know job. the bear hugger is all cute. And it's yeah. like a bear hugging somebody. So anyway, so she dismissed them. Um, um, but then it got appealed, and in 2022, the, uh, the the court of appeals reversed and said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! She cannot do that." And they were pretty nasty to her. I mean, it was bad. Yeah. So yeah, and it, I mean, it is pretty insane that she did that solo. Everybody it, was outraged. Crazy. Uh, it was like freaking out. Like how little, in the hell? It, it's a little. It's, it just smells a little uh, corruptiony. Well, interesting. You should say that. So so then um, they they all got reinstated back in 2022. Litigation's back. People are filing cases again. Um, and of course, uh, 3M petitioned the Supreme Court to see if they would hear, hear it. Supreme Court denied certiorari, which says, we're not going to touch it. You're stuck with what the Eighth Circuit did. Um, so now we're back. Uh, and that was in May of 2023. So this is all kind of recent stuff. Um, but now recently, what's happened is our side, the plaintiff side, has actually filed a motion to disqualify both the judge. So her name's Judge Erickson. Um, and also, um, she had retained, um, uh, gosh, the um, I'm, I'm blanking on the term now, but basically the settlement judge um, who was involved, the magistrate judge. And so it turns out that the magistrate judge had some had purchased some interest in 3M, so potentially had some bias wow. there. Um, and then with the, the, the trial judge, they are saying that she secretly retained a retired defense attorney to advise her when she was deciding about the cases. And so they're now saying, so, so basically the cases are back to her to go to trial, but, but nobody wants to take them back to trial with her because look what she did last time. How does they even go back to her? Like, how does, how is that okay? Well, that's how it always happens when it's appealed. They, they, go, they say, okay, judge, you screwed up, go fix it, go do it again. But don't, you know, let the, in this case, the, what, yeah. the, the experts get to go. You know, start back where you were back in 2019. But you are like, I feel like the judge already has like in order to dismiss it the first time, she already has this this perspective. Strong feelings. Some strong uh-huh. feelings. Like, how does it ever make sense to send it back to that original person that you know already feels a certain way? Well, I, I, I mean, the judges are supposed to be unbiased and they may have to set aside their any personal feelings that they have. I'm just saying that that's what, what's supposed to happen. Yeah. But the reason these motions are being filed is that people don't feel like this judge can or will do that. Yeah. And basically, why the heck go to trial again when we know that she's against it? Yeah. Um, and, 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 and the judge makes so many decisions through the whole process. I mean, every single objection, every single, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's so many ways that the judge's, uh, you know, rulings affect the case. So so that's where it is right now is that there has been this motion to disqualify. Now, it's a little more complicated even than that because she's getting ready to retire anyway. So it kind of makes sense that, you know, a huge MDL like this is not what she wants to be doing yeah. right now anyway. So 
I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Well, nobody knows exactly what's going to happen. Um, but these cases are very active. Um, a lot more cases are getting filed because this thing's still being used. Yeah. You know? I mean, you mentioned 90% of hospitals, mm-hmm. but I, I do want to touch on because you said that the court appeals were saying some nasty stuff about her. Yeah. What, what were they saying? I'm just I'm curious. Well, they just basically, I mean, I mean, they didn't like call her names or hey, something you like that. dumb idiot. What the hell are you doing over here? It was close here? to that. I mean, it was, well, it was very strong language about how outrageous it was. Oh, I my mean, yeah. God. I mean, it, 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 yeah, you don't usually see it that strong. <laughs> it, was, like, it was some juicy stuff. For yeah, sure. no. yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. sure the, you know, the prosecution side of it is like, like, thank God they see this, you know? Right. Well, I mean, everybody was just so outraged. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, so these cases are, are very active. Um, and basically, it's the, the, the cases are anybody who has had um, a joint replacement surgery. A lot of times it's the hips and knees. Um, and this product was probably used. You would not necessarily know it, but mm-hmm. you're, the anesthesiologist is, is the one who um, applies this. And so it would be in the anesthesia records. Those are records we can obtain. But if somebody has um, had a joint replacement surgery, had a bad infection following it, um, potentially they would have a case. Um, at this point, these things are going to go forward because the Supreme Court doesn't want it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 and so, so it's pretty interesting. People are pretty excited about these again. Um, and there are a lot of them. But, um, you know, it's happening now. So. And so you guys are, I'm, I'm assuming we're just looking for individuals that have had any type of joint replacement, and then it's of interest to look and see if bear hugger was used, or is it only joint replacements that they had some type of infection after? Well, you have to have some damages. Okay. So yeah, I mean, you have to have suffered from an infection. And, and again, it's if it's just a really minor soft tissue infection that gets treated with, you know, 10 days of antibiotics, I mean, that's not worth pursuing a case. Yeah. But if it was a significant infection, um, if you needed to go on IV antibiotics, if you had to have um, a revision surgery, um, any of the serious problems, then it's definitely worth finding out if that product was used. Good chance that that contributed, caused or contributed to the problem. And I'm curious, like, how the conversation happened with the patient and doctor afterwards, because you have this joint replacement. And in some of these cases, it is absolutely terrible where you're having the joint actually taken out again. You know, how is that, you know, doc, what's going on? Why is this infection so terrible? Is this common? Does this happen a lot? You know, well, that's a really good question. And the reality is that surgical infections do happen. And that is a risk of any surgery. And so when you're, you know, signing, you know, you know, when you're being, when the doctor's talking to you about the risks, um, you know, you, they always will say it's a potential that you're going to have an infection. Um, but again, you know, how serious is the infection and the likelihood of a serious infection is certainly much higher if this product was used, you know, and some doctors now don't use it any longer. They will not do the surgeries with it because they understand this. Um, they agree with it. There are plenty of surgeries. Um, anesthesiologists who say, oh, this is a bunch of bullshit. We're going to use it. Um, I know that, you know, over the many years now that I've been involved in these cases, a number of friends have had surgeries and they have always told the doctor going in, I do not want that used because they know about that. Um, And so the doctors have not used it. And I mean, you can use warm blankets. You can, you know, there are other things that you can do. And again, and we could get into this, into the weeds a lot, but, but obviously I don't think we want to do that, but um, it, 
there's also a question about how long a, the surgery really requires warming. Um, and a lot of these surgeries are pretty quick and don't. So, um, you know, it's not necessarily the case that somebody has to be, mm -hmm. certainly don't have to be warmed with this product. There are other, other ways. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask if there are other products and it sounds like there is, but you also mentioned earlier that it's still being used in a lot of oh, hospitals. Oh yeah. It's, it's being used a lot. And so like new cases are coming up all the time because it's still being used and people are getting these horrible infections. Um, and, you know, for a long time, I, we couldn't take these, you know, we weren't taking these cases because it looked like it might have been completely over. But they have been revived. Um, not going to go anywhere at this point. Looks like uh, uh, these will be going to trial um, coming up. Hopefully with a new judge. Well, hopefully with a new judge. Absolutely. And like I said, I don't think she wants to do it. Well, we don't want her to do it. So hopefully we just move on and... And uh, everybody's happy. You mentioned that she hired behind closed doors a personal defense attorney to advise her. What is well, this? It? Is the allegation? Allegation. This is the allegation. Yeah. Yes. But what would that even? What does that mean? Like, what was, was advising her that she should drop it? It was a defense attorney from the defense side of the case. Well, not from the particular case, but that, but somebody who had, you know, w was more aligned with that side who was looking at these witness at these expert witnesses and kind of advising her on kind of the basis maybe for excluding them or at least giving giving um, her his opinion and and that's not something that a judge should be doing i was gonna ask is that common for judges i hope to, not no, to, they're gonna get in trouble yeah that's insane and i'm yeah. glad that the court of appeals chewed her out on that i mean oh everybody so... was pretty glad about that <laughs> so... i almost want to see the transcript of what they uh, said you know i actually I, I will pull that because it just like the little parts of it. But yeah, there was um, during one of the AAJ meetings, we kind of uh, read through some of it and there were some kind of highlights. So I'll, I'll pull that. I mean, it's public record and I have it. And yeah. And I, I mean, especially in that judge's position where, you know, you have hundreds of attorneys, thousands and thousands of, of uh, victims of the case oh, seeing yeah. this and hearing about it like that has to be that has to be terrible to be ridiculed in front of that many yeah. people well I mean the people don't really get it and you know and again it's not like calling names but I mean it's from from a, a attorney's perspective it's like ooh that's <laughs> smart ow yeah ooh. yeah damn so well let's get that it's back and yeah it's back and and then it's alive and moving forward so. and anyone that's had any type of infection after surgery it's it's worth reaching out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, you know, you wouldn't necessarily know if it was used, but it's pretty quick and easy to be able to get the documentation determined that we do that regularly. We will order those records and let you know, um, yeah, if, if you if you do have a qualified case. And, and generally the severe cases happen with joint replacement, but it's possible for it to happen with other. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's really a bad idea to use it with, with when you, cause when you put a foreign body in, that's where the, the infection just yeah. kind of seizes and, you know, settles in there and you can't get it out without taking that out out of the body and then like like we said i mean you're gonna have to be jointless for a while so yeah that, i mean joint yeah. replacement surgery in general has always been such a terrifying idea in my head i mean it's pretty miraculous though i mean the, the results are so good and i mean i know a number of people who have had it and i mean it's just like you know you have, i mean people are having such a hard time walking um and then you know they get their lives back i mean they can play sports they can yeah. you know do all kinds of things so it's it's super when it's when it's successful it's just life-changing and a great surgery but you know again you know it, things can go wrong and um you want to do everything to avoid it and avoiding using this product is going to give you a better odds of a good outcome. 
Hope you guys enjoyed that episode and you learned everything that you could. If you do have any additional questions or concerns, feel free to reach out to us. You can always give us a call. We got Danny on the phones. She's an absolute joy to talk to. And if you're a little nervous, you don't want to talk to anyone, that's okay. We feel you. You can always send us an email. You can message us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever it is. We'll get back to you. We'll answer your questions and we can get things started. And I know sometimes this is, can feel a little overwhelming, but that's why we're, we're here. We'll take care of it for you. We'll reach out to the doctors. We'll get the medical records and we'll get everything that we need for you. Yes, and we'll be back next week with another live episode, including updates from my trip to Vegas for Mass Torts Made Perfect. We'll see you then. Prioritizing profits. Prioritizing profits. Prioritizing profits. Dangerous drug and product cases.